Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. Uh, this episode, my guest is Sean Allen. Uh, Sean sings in Nerve Damage and plays in a band called Empress, who are both very sick. Um, I've known Sean for quite a while now. He's played in a lot of bands over the years and did a Star Trek tattoo on me. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> dumb tat for me um we talked about white pony by the deftones it was timed relatively well in terms of recording it because it was like i think we recorded it like the day or two after its 20th anniversary um and then i did a bunch of stuff last week so didn't get to post it in time but uh yeah so kind of timely in terms of um the uh relevance of that uh that release um, but so it was fun to talk about, uh, nerve damage just got a grant from triple J on earth to do some stuff, which Sean talks about a bit, which is awesome. So congratulations to them on that. Um, but yeah, check out nerve damage, um, check out Empress Sean's other band and enjoy episode 94 of the oblivious Maximus podcast with Sean Allen talking about white pony by the Deftones. Fucking brutal. <laughs> Well, Sean, thank you for doing the podcast. Um, you have picked a record. The, actually, the last couple of records that I've done, bar doing a Fallout Boy record with Kelly, I've actually known very well. So it's been like heaps easier doing records that I know like the back of my hand. Um, so <laughs> thank you. Thank you for picking uh, White Pony by the Deftones. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh 20 years this week and yeah. that makes me feel extremely old yeah and it explains why i have so many aches in my body <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right why wh- other than the the fortunate timing of it turning 20 why did you pick yeah. this record uh i think just for me like like everyone you have those formative years in high school yeah and you're like you know you're like I feel like everyone, maybe primary school, you start like understanding music. You might own a couple of records. Obviously, they're of great importance. But uh, like I started high school uh, and we had this like, this is going to be a story. No, this, please. Like, it'll be Love like, it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> start start high school and they're like, oh, like uh, to, to get you through year eight, um, we buddy you up with the year 12s. So you you just by chance get yeah. buddied up with whoever. They've already written out the names. They go together. And I ended up with this guy, Sam, who uh, had long hair, looked like a bit of a rocker. Uh, <laughs> turns out he was. Yeah. And uh, he was like always talking to me about music and whatever else. And um, he had a band and I had decided that I wanted to also play in a band. Sure. And he was like, you can play the bass in my band and we're going to learn this Deftone song. So like I learned Shove It like everyone did in fucking the year 2000. Yep. And I think I jammed it. I got my mum to drop me like a band practice once and we jammed Deftone Shove It. And then literally not too long after that, White Pony came out mm-hmm. and I got like, I got really into it. And it was like the first album where I was like, 
I wonder what he's actually singing. And then, yeah. like, you start getting, like, really into the lyrics and, uh, like, trying to pull it apart. And uh, and it was just different. Like, that's the first record that I heard, like, electronic drums. and yeah. like, But it wasn't, like, offensive electronic drums. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. it wasn't a techno song. It was, there was, like, a lot of feel and atmosphere yeah. around all of those parts. So, then, yeah, def- that's kind of stuck with me forever. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's really funny for me because, like, this record, I guess I came at this slightly differently in that. I mean, I probably heard it around. I definitely heard it when it, uh, like, soon after it came out because that was right when I was like, you know, perfect timing for getting into new metal and things like that for me. And <laughs> I can't. Yeah, like, I guess I kind of came at Deftones differently because I came at them from. Well, I suppose from just like loving new metal and that like yep. Chino sings on a corn record and like, you yeah. know, so I, that's sort of the way I came at them. And so this record for me was really weird when I heard it because it's, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's like incredibly different from their earlier albums, but it's definitely like has lots more musicality and lots more, I mean, I guess you can tell that they, I even just like looking it up a little bit, you can tell that they, you know, maybe they were thinking about this record a lot more and trying lots of different things and yeah, obviously yeah, bringing absolutely. another person into the band as well. Like it's a very different way to approach yeah. doing stuff. But I think it, it's pretty interesting that I think like, I mean, this record in particular and certainly the band have obviously grown well beyond new metal now. But yeah. it's quite funny that they still get kind of lumped as like a new metal band. Like they, it, which yeah. seems odd to me because really that after this record on, the band is not new metal. <laughs> like it's... No, and it's, they're untouchable after this record. Yeah. Like you can't pick a release and and not look at the the vast differences in, in songs. Like it's every album is like, it has like glimpses of that new metal heavy part. Yeah. But then there's like really mature songwriting on everything. And then I was reading like, cause I was like, I've got to try and know a bit more than my personal experiences <laughs> on this record. Yep. So I did read some things around it, but Chino was 26 when he wrote yeah. this record. It's insane. And it's insane. And then like, even like I reread a whole bunch of lyrics cause I was like, I was like, I'll take another trip down memory lane. Yeah. Uh, and just what those words meant to me when I was younger and now like revisiting it, I'm just like, holy fuck. Like, how was I even trying to take that on as like, you know, <laughs> a kid, 15 year old me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was literally a child. Yeah. I mean, it's to me, the, to me, this record has like a lot of things that. So when, when we talked about doing this, I listened to this twice driving back like from Canberra the other day and listening to it it was like fucking bucketing rain the whole time I was driving and it was like it was just great like having it cranked and like being able to like fully pay attention to everything but I mean I think like a big thing a big thing for me with this record was like being a dork new metal kid the fucking drumming on it was like the first thing that was like a massive standout to me and yeah well, it, he's just such a sick drummer and the feel is like unreal and every song that has 
I feel like every like every second song on this record has like a standout like catchy drum beat and stuff like things that I don't think are really again like not really associated with other bands that maybe they were like lumped around at the time you know yeah no way I feel like everyone was buying the same drum kit as him and like really yeah. trying to be like he's he's the man like he's the yeah. one that everyone looked I feel it was like him and, and Joey from Slipknot. Everyone was like, I either want to be Abe or I want to be yeah, yeah. Joey. And that's that was that was it. Yeah. For heavy music and people like aspiring towards a drum sound. It's um there's like there's other things that I've made notes of that were like I com- I guess I completely forgot, but like again, driving and being like fully immersed in the record the other day. Um, digital bath the guitars like as i don't know why i've never heard this or thought about it before but i was just like oh the guitars sound like they're underwater like the song is called (laughs) digital math and maybe that's just me like maybe i was hung over and not paying enough attention to driving and raining and stuff but like i was just like oh man that's a new thing i haven't heard in the last 20 years of this record listening to it so i was like i was reading a, a like a whole bunch of like quotes that members of the band had talked about, especially in the last week. And there's like, like Chino's like, yeah, I wanted this record to be like the, so the slow burner. So you kind of like, you listen to it and you're like, Oh yep, I'm going on this journey. This is this thing. Mm. And then you come back and re-listen to it and you like hear a little bit more. And then you come back again. And like, every time you listen to it, you can find something more. And he's like, if I, like they put it out that way because he wanted it to have like a really long shelf life. And I feel like yeah. 20 years on it holds up. Yeah, perfectly. absolutely. So like the, I think that was job well done on, on having a long shelf life. Cause I'm still listening to it. Yeah. Well, and I think lots of parts of it too. I, I hear like influencing obviously many things that come after it, but I mean, I think what, like even a thing that I guess I, I mean, I've probably heard it before and thought about it before, but like, as I was listening to it, I was like, there's lots of parts of his singing that surely have gone on to influence like so many other, the way other people approach singing as well. Like I thought, I don't know why it came into my head and I might be totally wrong on this, but like there was parts on this record that I was even just like, like a band, like every time I die, for example, that started out having screaming all the time. And then he started working in singing this to me sounds like that's one of the ways where a band like that could go, oh, okay, this is how you can link those things through together. Because, I mean, it is... So you can have... Yeah, like, you can, you have, can have, heavy, have both. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's really weird, because I think, like, there are... I mean, there's still lots of parts in this record where, like, you know, obviously it's very melodic heavy... Uh, sorry, melodic singing heavy, but then at the same time he's still doing lots of like screaming parts in the background and things like that. And some songs yeah. are driven by that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there was a lot of like on the heavy ones where he's yelling, there is a, a lot of like vocal effects going on. Yeah. But they, they don't seem lame, which is no. really fucking hard to pull off. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also, I love that his singing is, is the main thing that people have conflict with. So it's either like you love this fucking band or you don't. And the reason most people say they don't is because they're like, 
I just feel like he's just wailing on about whatever. I don't like the way he does this and that. And it's like, I guess that's, that's definitely such a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, like a part of their sound, but it's, I don't know. There's so much else going on. It's like, even if you don't like it that much, like I feel like you can look past it because there is yeah. some fucking riffs. Well, yeah. I mean, there's certainly like, I mean, there is, there is certainly like a, a bunch of songs that definitely have like pretty classic, like new metal style guitar riffing. But at the same time, like, I mean, like even like knife party is just like, that's just like a, like a pit riff basically. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I was like listening to that the other day. And I mean, I guess that's where, you know, I guess it's good that they, they managed to find a way to combine it and things like that. But at the same time, like, it's pretty interesting that this dude is playing like for a lot of the songs. And I would say certainly like the biggest songs on the record are very like, you know, there's lots of clean parts and there's lots of, yeah, like swirly guitar parts and nice sounding things and the dude's yeah. playing like a seven or eight string like brutal like <laughs> deathcore guitar thing like. with like fucking every effect you could ever think of in the 2000s is on it yeah but he i feel like he's just playing pedals half the time but it's just Probably. like so insane and then i was reading all this stuff again and and then um they were like talking about how often the band was about uh, about Chino playing guitar on yeah. some of the songs. Like there was a full rift between them because they were like, "Nah, this isn't your job." Well, I read. I mean, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the same if we're on the same track. But I uh, I had actually the thing that was always in my head as like the folklore of the record was that he did not know how to play guitar at all. Like he learnt how to play. <laughs> guitar for the sake of playing guitar on the record and that and I, at least from me doing no research about that element of it that was <laughs> that was why they were mad about it because they were like what like we're a very established band at this point surely this record you know they recorded this with the dude who'd recorded the corn records the pantera records you know he's gone yeah. on to do lots more other things in the same vein he did, yeah like he did limp biscuit yeah yeah <laughs> Like, Slipknot. Well, I remember, I think at the time, like, and I don't know, I could be I could be completely wrong at this point, but, like, at the time, there was something like, you know, Korn were paying that dude, like, a hundred grand to record a record, and they would be recording for, like, months at a time or something. And I think this record took, like, four months. Like, they, it was recorded over the course of, like, four months or something, which, obviously, to people like us is, like, insane to think that, you know... <laughs> Like, cause I'm, every time I'm recording, I'm like fucking five minutes. Like, let's keep moving boys. Like we got no yeah. time here. <laughs> Is that guitar tone? All right. Oh, it's all right. We'll fix it up later. Just fucking record it. <laughs> yeah. We don't have any time. Um, but it's so interesting to think that a band was at a point where this could have been like this, the third record thing is pretty tricky for bands to get over. Yeah. And like, I mean, I know that even though it's obviously not a comparative scale, but like, I know that when I exist, like our first record was like, people liked it quite a bit. Our second record, people, some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. And then that made writing the third thing, like it made it kind of like tricky in that like, Oh, what do we do now? Because some people didn't like these things. So we can't keep doing that. Or should we keep doing it? Do we like it? Or, you know, all those sorts of questions. So it's interesting for a band that's of this size, like massive at this point, 
with the third record and the singer goes, oh yeah, I'm going to learn how to, you know, if he did, like, I'm going to learn how to play guitar and I'm going to do it on this record now. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just going to throw a massive curveball. <laughs> and like, and then we're going to introduce atmospheric electric songs. Yeah. There, and then uh, we're going to do all of this stuff that obviously they're already starting to draw influence from like The Cure and, yeah, you know what I mean? But, and they just really ran with it and, I, I remember people being like really off it that it wasn't another around the fur. I've been people still yeah. are like this next record, man. I heard that it's going to sound like Deftones around the fur. Like that's the era they're going back to. It's like, man, just let it go. They matured way past that. Yeah. Well, and certainly like imagine now hearing like grown men trying to write a record like that. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> that was a record that 20 year olds wrote. And it makes sense that. 20-year-olds in the 90s wrote that record. It wouldn't be any chop now, you know? Um, I'm still trying to write those records, and I'm definitely <laughs> not 20, so... <laughs> Shit, that's doing everything wrong. I'd, I'd kill to have one of those records in my back pocket as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I like... The, I was, no, you go. I read a, a great description, though, for, um, for the Deftones at that point, once they put out that record, they were, they were like dubbed the heavy metal version of Radiohead. Okay. That is, I mean, that suits. I think like, I, I think uh, this, this record too has like, yeah, I mean the introduction of the electronic stuff, like the fact that it not only was like, yeah, we'll bring it in, but it was just like a little bit of synth in the background. The fact that it's like, at the front of some of the, you know, some of the songs are like entirely driven by that. And, you know, the, like the samples and the synth stuff, it ends up like, yeah, it's quite interesting that it's not just like a tokenistic thing. And I mean, I think, I think uh, like another way of looking at it is like, you know, I'm sure it's there and I'm sure you'd notice it if it was removed, but like a band like Slipknot, for example, with fucking nine people in the band, and they've they've got a guy who's credited as playing like samples and doing synth stuff. I can almost say that like on half the songs, I would assume he's not doing anything, or like to my to my novice ear for that stuff. But on this record, it's like that dude's fucking driving half the time. You know, like he's yeah. he's smashing it. This this swells through verses that if like I listened to this record with headphones the other day and there was. I picked out even more shit now that I was like actually listening for it. Mm. And I was like, he's nonstop. Yeah. Like you hear him like pull something out and you're like, oh, I guess it's gone for the rest of the song. And then he comes back with like double, but like it's, it's at a tasteful level. He's not trying to like overrun it. He's just giving the song what it needs. Yeah. Has that, has stuff like that been like, you know, I guess like an influence or been, you know, contributed to you with the stuff that you've done with that. Like, you know, like obviously nerve damage has a bit more like chaotic shit with that, like pedals and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But like Empress has that obviously has a lot of those, you know, passages in there as well. Like is, is this stuff something that influences that? Uh, for I'd say definitely for me and Julian, especially I know he loves Deftones as much as I do. Yeah. But, uh, like we've we've started writing another release, and there's electronic drum parts in it and stuff, and 
like I listen to that to White Pony and I hear a tasteful way to do it mm. and how a band can play over the top of it. And it's like, to me, it makes a lot more sense. So it's, it's definitely, I feel like it's probably going to come through more and more. Like the more that I can go back and like reference parts, like, yeah, like listen to Teenager and stuff and be like, you can build a whole song around an electronic drum mm. beat. Yeah. And it still sounds like a whole band playing like it's it's not just that so yeah i definitely would say i find a lot of influence in in other things for it yeah sick does it did this like hearing this record and stuff like that was that was this like the first experience you had with things like that or were you already i guess exposed to that stuff uh maybe maybe like uh some fear factory Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. team manufacturer kind of like yeah uh that, you know, but that's still, that's electronic in like a really heavy yeah. musical output. This was like, like, man, there's, there's footage of the Deftones playing Bad Brains covers and like yeah. playing like punk and hardcore stuff. And I was listening to Adrenaline and Around the Fur and like, you know, you still have that like whole like, these guys look gnarly and all they play is gnarly music. And then this guy puts out a song like Teenager. Yeah. And sings over the top of like atmospheric uh, sounds and electronic drums, and I'm like, damn, mm. that's 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 way more to it than that. Yeah. Do you did you ever have a point with music like this where it like lost favor for you at all, or have you been like pretty consistently into it since you heard it? Do you think? Pretty consistently into it. Yeah. I, I feel like I. There's like bands where you just they're like on a fucking pedestal and you can't. It's like you're not allowed to cover this band. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's like two bands that come to mind when I think of that, and it's The Cure and Deftones. And that's it. They're yeah. on like some weird pedestal for me, and it's just like, I mean, you can try and cover it, but you're probably gonna fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other the flip of that though is when they did that Cure MTV thing, mm. and the Deftones covered The Cure, and I was like, oh, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> That the two you've got up there, it's fine if they do yeah, it. Yeah, that's fine. They can cover each other. That's yeah. fine. But no one else should even consider thinking about playing either of these. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I the only reason I ask things like that is because, like, I mean, f- for sure, for me, I, I thought it was very, like, when I got into, like, new metal and stuff, I got into it out of listening to hip-hop because it was, like, yeah. I got into it all the- from... I guess the similar dynamic and as I've mentioned on this many times in the past that like just like I had the perfect timing of new metal because it was like my parents got divorced and new metal was like the exact same time <laughs> so it was just like it couldn't have hit at a more like fragile emotional state for me to be angry at my dad you know <laughs> like, yeah to like get into the rah-rah music and, the perf- and like some heavy guitars yeah yeah exactly yeah but like yeah. So then when obviously I started getting into like death metal and things in school, a lot of this became like really like, oh, don't listen to that. That's like, that's the dork new metal kid stuff. I can't listen to that anymore. But then as like an adult, then you hear like, oh, they were adults as well. And these were the things that were influenced. And you can start like hearing the influence of of things like The Cure. And you can start hearing like, Oh no, it wasn't just dumb kid music. You were just, that was just the lens I was hearing it through at the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Because you can definitely hear like, yeah, you get a bit older and then you like you look back and you're like, oh yeah, like I like Depeche Mode. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And then you're like, kind of reminds me of the Deftones, and you're like, oh Jesus, that's <laughs> they, they actually stole quite a bit from here. Oh and then yeah, you're like, big time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I definitely like I understand that, but it, I don't know. I always think about like the longevity of things too. Like mm-hmm. you know, like I've got a younger sister who you try and be like, oh, you should listen to some of these things and like something you can listen to in like 15 years and still like. But like there is a thing like pop music that ages fucking horribly. Yeah. And I feel like everyone just gives up on that. But maybe I was lucky enough that I'd found this alternative music path. Mm. And I feel like I like I probably still wear shirts that I bought bought in high school and I probably still have those records and I still listen to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's a ton of stuff like that for me that has carried over. I mean, I mean, I I would say like, arguably, like my musical tastes really haven't grown that much since I was like 18. (laughs) So like, I mean, it sort of hit its peak then and now it's just kind of been exactly the same ever since. Um, but like, you know, I mean, I, I do think things like this, things like this definitely have a really different, um, I think you can listen to them through a really different lens, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Is that like, yeah, you can listen to this record as an adult at 20 years on and it still has some pretty, you know, some pretty big, you know, wild parts to it that you hadn't noticed before and things that make sense to listen to as an adult as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think like absolutely agree. I I like I remember like obviously change being like the biggest song off this record and it being on yep. the Queen of the Damned soundtrack, which <laughs> as well was like a movie basically well, the singer from Korn did the soundtrack, so the whole soundtrack is just new metal bands. And but it's in the movie in like a perfect like scene in the movie for a song like this and i just remember like as i was driving home the other day i was just thinking like that song was like a perfect in in used in that context it was like perfectly designed for goth teenagers like myself (laughs) (laughs) like put it in a fucking sexy vampire movie like this is exactly what i want to (laughs) hear I mean, I've never seen that film, but I'm probably going to look it up. You, now, so. man, you got to watch it. One at the, I guess, like the, you know, like part of the story is that the main character, the vampire, is a singer in a new metal band. <laughs> and like, get the fuck out. Yeah. And so, like, the songs that the band plays in the movie are written by Jonathan Davis from Korn. And one of the dudes in the band was. Uh, in that Australian new metal band Jerk, right? Did you ever hear that band? That anyway, they no. they were. There was a lot of um like four or five letter singular word band names around that time. Yes. so I probably heard it, but yeah, but there was a lot. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing too memorable about them. Apologies to any Jerk fans or members of the band that might be listening to this. All, um, all you jerks out there. Yeah, but they were like. You know, like I'd say they probably opened for Corn one time or opened for the Deftones one time. And I think the movie was filmed in part in Australia. But like, so this Australian dude is in the band. But it's just so funny that like 
to me now thinking about it that like a song like this like you know change which is like a now seen as like a you know a big like a great song by this band obviously but it's very yeah significant in this record in the context of this style of music yeah it was like it that was that was a smart way to push it out to kids as well you know like push it out to more people um and just but yeah that song was that song is just like i like i think to me that that's that's a great song i mean obviously there's better songs but to to like the uninitiated person about the deaf turns like listen to that it's got like so much good like emotional part to it but hooks and it's like kind of a poppy single as well but it's real heavy in parts as well like but then they like they didn't they win a grammy for one of the songs on here I'm maybe sure they, that that would make sense maybe a lot um yeah i'm pretty sure they did i know like i know this is their best selling record yeah do you ever do, is still. this is this your favorite record of theirs yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's the pinnacle. It was like the like I said, it was like the one that you're like, Oh, there's there's so much more than just like some chunk riffs and someone yelling on it. Yeah. Um like Around the Fur was my introduction. Yeah. This is the one that made me start branching out towards other music. Like even their like B sides and rarity sing came out around mm-hmm. this time maybe. And like and some of the covers on that introduced me to like things i would have never have even thought about listening to like what sort of stuff oh like the smiths and depeche mode and all that kind of stuff like Mm. i had no interest like the few the very few people i know who are listening to the smiths i was like i don't like you as a person i don't want (laughs) to you know how you like relate to yeah yeah. if someone sucks and they like something you're everything about what they like you don't like when you're like 15 years old, yep. so I was like, I was like, I don't ever want to listen to that. Like that guy sucks. <laughs> if he likes that, it must be it must be horrible. I don't want to suck if I listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I was reading uh, like on my uh, yeah on all of my inquiries into this record. Yeah, I was reading the about um, about when they did Passenger. And Maynard was like bringing in like singing bowls and stuff, and they were like jamming out to him in the studio, playing like Tibetan singing bowls. Okay, that's why they have four months to make a record, dude, because they probably spent a week <laughs> just having a riff to a singing bowl. Having Maynard really trying to take it to the next level. I mean, I I actually totally forgot that he sang on this record until listening to it the other day. Like, I completely forgot yeah. that that was a thing. But I mean, oh, that that song's great. That song is great. That's, and they were saying that they like wrote it like line for line. Yeah, right. Like in the studio, song was already done. They're just like, oh, I'll write a line, you write a line. I'll write a line, you write a line, and then they just like collabed it together That's whilst sick. I was sitting there listening to it back, and then just did it. See, all we need is like a hundred grand and a couple months, and then we can yeah. make records like this. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm keen. Whenever you are. <laughs> All right, I'll start. If you can get the funds, I'll I'm see. in. I'll start looking for money. Yeah. Actually, now I'm thinking about Deftones covers. They definitely covered Sade, No Ordinary Love, because I listened to this shit out of Sade at work this week. Right, there you go. And I would have never have even thought about listening to Sade ever until 
this I was game like, on. What the, what the fuck is this cover of? Yeah. And then I listened to the original. I was like, this is insane. Well, I mean, I think that that is definitely. But I mean, I think that's the thing about covers as well. I mean, again, I've already, I think I've already talked about it on here a couple of times with different people, but like, to me, it's, the point of doing a cover, you need to try and do something different to it. And I mean, I think, I mean, I've certainly not been, I mean, I, I certainly like everyone else that does covers in punk and hardcore and metal bands or whatever have done my fair share of like, relatively straightforward just exact replications of the original song yeah but as i like get older and do that stuff like that seems like such a waste of time to me now like i feel like now if you want to do a cover or you feel like you should be doing a cover you should be trying to impart something upon using the frame of it to make your own song as opposed to oh yeah just trying to rip it off you know yeah yeah I mean, there's, like, only a very few amount of, like, quote-unquote rules to me when it comes to covers, and it's, like, the band has to have, like, broken up, like, 10 years ago or, yeah. like, have, like, zero relevance yeah. as of something now. And, yeah, you have to make it your own. Uh, I mean, Empress covered Kylie Minogue, and it doesn't sound anything like Kylie Minogue. Yeah. I broke our own rule because she's still performing, but it's, like... <laughs> You know what I mean? I can't. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I it, can't do. I can't do a mental cavity re- uh, cover at fucking on a nerve damage set. Like that's just yeah. weird as fuck. Don't do that. Yeah, and and that that stuff. That's the thing that's like weird to me is when like, which I think is funny too because it's like such a big trope of hardcore bands, particularly. And I mean, again, I know that I'm certainly guilty of this, but like, you know, actively doing covers of bands that like, or oh, every other band's covering this as well, like. Yeah, I remember playing. <laughs> I remember playing a show here with Slowburn one time when we came down, and Hopeless. It was like right when Hopeless first started, and Hopeless played two covers, and both of them. Be was, careful, because I was in Hopeless at the end. That, you know? No, that's fine. I'm, this isn't talking shit on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, they they played two covers that Slowburn always used to play, and I was oh, and I was like. And I think we were going to play one of them at the show and we heard, and I think like I was watching the merch or something and I just heard it playing and I I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're not. What was it? Uh, An American Nightmare song. Like, I don't know which one. Surely we, oh, yeah. I feel like we covered like three. I feel like. Three of their songs. Person. Yeah. Yeah. And like every band at that time was doing that. So it, it it's not like. Yeah. It makes sense. But again, like in hindsight now, like if we, you know, not that I would start a melodic hardcore band today, but even if I did, I wouldn't be going like, let's do that now. Like, that's the equivalent of like, I don't know, whatever, a band today covering a band from five years ago. Like, it's bizarre to do that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, give it a little bit of time. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's a couple of songs out there now. I reckon you could find one that might be left of field and you can... You can cover that one instead. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the other thing too is like, I've always thought with that stuff is like, a, just take take an approach to it that makes it like a cool thing to see as well, a cool thing to hear. Like, yeah. like you want people to be saying, like, like we've just said like, you know, oh, have you fucking heard this cover? It's wild. Like this band is doing this cover of this thing, you know? 
Yeah. Not just like, oh, Melodic Argoban covers the Melodic Argoban that they're ripping off. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Which is definitely what, like, every cover Slowman did was just like, these are the bands that we're trying to write songs that sound like that. So let's just play one of their songs because it's better than our songs. <laughs> like, That's so sick. But, you know. Are you in the video of that? If What was that video you guys did? Of Slowman? You did a... V- yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in... I mean, I was in the band the whole time. I have, I have, but I can't remember exactly the context of the video. Was it like some sort of like building, walking around yep. thing going on? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Looking at Sam. I haven't watched that in so long. Sam Provost crying on a video. It's. Um, I'm going to go back. Sorry, Sam. I'm going to screenshot okay. it and send it to you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in that video. That was the first, I think the first music video john hatfield ever made who has gone on to have like a relatively has done lots of cool videos and taken photos of like great things but he started out absolutely filming us illegally cry at a school (laughs) yeah at the university of canberra a school that none of us actually went to (laughs) in the middle of the night making a music video so yeah that's a it's a if anyone wants to get on youtube and have a laugh that's a good thing good thing to find (laughs) Um, all right. Well, I, I guess like with, with this record as well, is this, is this the record you would like recommend people to listen to, to listen to Deftones? Absolutely. As long as they listen to it in the original order, which, uh, is, uh, cause they, when they re-released, um, White Pony, they put it with back to school at the start. Yeah. And that's not that that came like two years later too. Yeah, as a like added single, and it was weird. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I remember buying it, and I was like, "What did they like? They new packaging and stuff." And I was like, "Oh, they did this new thing," and it just has one more song on it. And I was like, "This record doesn't start the same." It's, and it that, it's like not a good vibe. No, and that's weird too. It's actually actually a thing I wrote is that like it's interesting that they added on the start because it has like the singing on its that song's pretty weird too. Like having like a kind of is like hip hop rap influence yeah. like singing which yeah. makes sense on the two records before it <laughs> but it it's yeah, kind of out of place on this record <laughs> like yeah yeah I, and he would have been fuck hell like if if that came out a few years later he would have written that like getting towards 30 he wrote a song about being at school yeah to put on their already like i'm pretty sure their album was already platinum by that time too so it's like why did you why did you like fuck with like yeah an incredible record that was already doing so well like and it's and the first track was already a ripper yeah that that seems bizarre you'd think if if anything they would have just tacked it onto the end like yeah i was like oh here's this other thing now on this reissue but i mean who knows people do weird shit Still doing weird shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't be true to doing a podcast if I didn't talk to you about things you're actually doing as well in your life. So, oh shit. How I didn't prepare for this. <laughs> how is um? I'm gonna net. Yeah, sorry. No, I was just I was just gonna say like, how are you coping doing music stuff in the current climate? Um. I'm doing all right. Uh, nerve damage is like finishing off a seven inch that 
I dragged my feet a little bit on finishing the lyrics to and singing to, but mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, when's this going to come out? I can probably talk about the other thing that we just got, which is weird. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Just uh, there you go. We just we just got a, a grant from like Triple J, Triple J Unearthed mm-hmm. to write a single, which is doesn't make sense that anyone would give my band money <laughs> that worked, especially like a government funded yeah. uh, grant. But um, I'm like, I'm going to write a song with, with Joel from Amity. Yeah. Um, and got some, one of my friends, Otis, like Otis Carey doing the artwork and like, uh, and yeah, the taxpayers of this country are going to fund it. And Thank you very much to everyone listening for your hard-earned money. Um, <laughs> no, that's but, sick. How did that? How did that come together? Uh, I've been after talking to you. Actually, mm-hmm. you're the fucking reason I started looking at like grants and like all of this. Because I never want to have to pay for anything myself, so I've yeah, been trying absolutely. to fleece whatever I can out of the government. <laughs> yeah, but it's like. I can't believe this whole world exists. Oh yeah, where the things I'm I'm gonna do anyway, people are like, "Hey, we'll help you with that," but I don't actually. They don't have an input into the project. They just give you the money for the project. So I started like uh, reading about stuff coming up, and like, yeah, everyone doing bands out there should definitely like open their eyes to some of this shit. But usually, like local councils have grants yeah. going to help arts in the community. Mm. Um, and then I saw this one pop up on like Q Music. They were like, oh, Triple J's like offering these grants for, yeah, everyone affected right now by like COVID. Like we lost a, a we had a good bunch of shows booked. Yep. Um, and lost all of them. And like, I mean, a, no damage is a hardcore band, so we don't get paid lots of money in Australia. But yeah. Uh, like it was definitely going to help fund exactly this project. Like I, I'd already talked to Joel and was like, I want to, like he asked us after some Amity shows if we wanted to work together on something and like try and push forth with and like use his platform a little bit to talk about the things that we talk about collectively as a band anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I just, yeah, I saw this grant come up and I just wrote a bunch of words and sent it off and they were like, yeah, we'll do it. That's it. So, yeah. So besides losing some really sick shows, like especially like the Trapped Under Ice show. Sure. That was going to be on the coast in a hundred cap venue, and like the shows with Candy, and like there was a couple of good local shows too that mm. we were going to go on. Um, yeah, we're doing all right, and and Empress has just been riding, so we didn't we didn't really struggle too hard on that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think th- yeah. things like the Grant stuff is just like I mean, I I just got put onto it by other people who were in, I guess, the same position that everyone's in is just that like, you know, I I remember someone saying to me at some point, like, oh, should I apply for this? I feel bad. And I was like, you fucking pay tax. That's what it is. That's where the money goes. Like, if you don't, if you don't put up for it, like someone else is going to get it anyway. Like, it's not like you're stealing from people. It's It's the way that it's set up. So it may as well go to people who... Like who are actively going to do something? Well, because I I looked up a lot of like previous winners of some other grants that I applied for. Yeah, and they did fucking nothing with a good chunk of money. Yeah, like, 
Well, and I mean, I think the reality is too, I don't think any bands like, particularly hardcore bands or punk bands and metal bands should feel bad about putting in for these things because, I mean, I know personally, like, no no matter how much fucking grant money I could ever apply for is never going to pay me back for all the fucking time that I have lost doing this on my own, like, on my own dime or, like... Or, you know, money I borrowed off my fucking mum or, you know, like there's, there's, yeah, there's no end, I don't think to like, and it, it doesn't mean like getting a grant is going to mean, okay, after this, you'll, everything's going to be profit from here. <laughs> like it, it oh, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Shit. I'm oh, sorry to disappoint you. Um, Dude, I thought we'd made it. <laughs> but even like, I mean, the end of the day, like this this stuff is out there. If you can access it, you definitely should because, I mean, yeah. and, and things like, you know, we, Mental Cavity got a grant for the last record that, that, that we did. And I mean, all we really had to do to pay that back was put the fucking logo on the record that said like supported by the ACT government, which I'm fine to do because, you know, like they gave the money so they can have the credit for it. And like, yeah. The reality is, had we not got that money, maybe the record wouldn't have sounded as good or we wouldn't have been able to do the cool things we did because of it, you know? Like, yeah, I think I think it's one of those things. It's just, I, like you mentioned, like I think like a, so many people just don't know that it's there and, you know, someone should take it and someone should use it. So, uh, yeah, it should be cool yeah. stuff, you know? <laughs> like. Um, yeah, partic- probably cooler than my band, cool stuff. But. <laughs> well, but we'll- <laughs> y'all didn't listen to what was out there, and I did, so suck shit. <laughs> so now you're gonna have to put up with whatever Sean puts out, whatever bullshit I put out. Yeah, <laughs> as a I'm result. really sorry in advance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as like has um has have you felt that this like I guess obviously it's kind of shitty downtime. Have you felt that's been productive for you with that stuff though? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm. Like between trying to do my shitty bands and tattooing and like all the other, I guess, said hobbies, um, I definitely f- probably overfill my plate and I just always feel like I'm stretched for time. So then when someone's like, you're not allowed to work now. Yeah. It, I was like, okay, that's one massive consuming thing that I can't do. <laughs> So I'll just put all that energy into some other things. And then I like, I, I slipped over. My cat is blind. Mm-hmm. So my cat weed in the hallway because she couldn't find her kitty litter. And I was walking down the hallway in the dark and I slipped over in it and pretty much went through the wall and dislocated my shoulder. Oh, so then I couldn't surf for the whole time. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I have to like take it easy and like draw some stuff and paint some things. But then like, yeah, work on some music and look at, yeah, look at grants and like try and figure out how to use my downtime from work in a productive way. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, in the like, I suppose in like the current climate with fucking everything that's going on in the world as well, it's like, you know, there, there's a lot of things particularly that could at the moment that could influence certainly like nerve damage stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <it's> in- <laughs> Uh, it's real hard because I don't want to ever, like, I don't want to put my hand off and be like, I don't want to be another, like, another 
voice in a like very no. noisy environment. Yeah. So like I always try and like I never wanted to be like these are these things and I feel this way. I never wanted to start that band and then I just ended up doing that band. But like yeah, I I I definitely still try and not say as much because that's not my platform and I don't want to be the figurehead but yeah there's definitely a lot of shit going on right now like especially yeah especially in Australia yeah where it's like you don't want to be I fucking told you so but yeah well I've been saying the same shit for a few years like yeah and there's people that said it to before me and there's people that said it before them and it's just like why the fuck are we all still talking about this like yeah. I'll just start yelling it and maybe you'll fucking listen. Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, and that, I think, I think that's got to be like, you know, you got to find, you got to find the purpose that you can serve with, within however you want to respond to that as well. So I don't think anyone, you know, like should feel obligated to, to do that. But if it's happening, then that's, then that's the reality that you're in, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I think let's just fucking cap it there. But thank Yeah, otherwise you'll just, like if you give me an inch I'll run a mile so it's definitely beneficial for you to just be like I'm going to call it here cuz I'll just start talking too much. This is a concise conversation about a record that came at a very important pivotal time in my new metal youth and <laughs> from the sounds of things a pivotal time in your musical experience. So that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for chatting um, with me about it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, can you not? You, are you going to say brutal to end this? Because if it doesn't happen, then um, this conversation has to keep going. I mean, I can say brutal as many times as you want me to say brutal, man. Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your time, man. Cheers. <laughs>